Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Hello! And welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith, and this is a long-awaited pod for me. Long-awaited, a, a, a long year of good movies, in my opinion. Pretty good movies altogether. Uh, wraps up and, of course, culminates, as every year does, in a uh, love-hate thing for me, the Oscars. Uh, more hate than love, but here we are. Uh, the Oscars. I'll be doing my Oscars picks tonight. Now that we finally have the official nominees, uh, the show is in March. It's on March 12th, but we have the nominees. So we have about one and a half months to digest these nominees, pick them, go through them one by one. And I have made my picks in 11 of the 23 categories. Uh, the other 12 categories I'm not talking about because I'm not going to sit here and act like I know anything about them. I'll go over those uh, <laughs> a little bit later here. But I'm going to start like I do every show. Things I've seen lately. Since my last pod, I think on January 9th or something like that, um, I have watched a ton. I have watched two shows uh, from front to back. Finished them. Uh, started a new one, probably the biggest show of the year. And started another one about halfway through it. And I'll get into those right now. So we have the movies I've watched. I watched The Pale Blue Eye on Netflix. Very good. Uh, great mystery. If you love mysteries, an ending you will not expect. But a satisfying ending. A satisfying ending. Great bail performance. Here he is again with Scott Cooper, the director. Uh, Scott Cooper directed him in Hostels, which is another great movie. Uh, but he was not the story of the movie for me. The story of the movie was a phenomenal performance by Harry Melling, who played Edgar Allan Poe. And you're probably wondering why Edgar Allan Poe is in this movie. Well, this takes place at the West Point uh, Academy. I think it's in the 1800s. And the, the, the late 1800s. And Edgar Allan Poe is a cadet at the Academy. And there's a murder on the academy grounds and christian bale is brought in to solve the murder and uh poe helps him out in solving the murder and ultimately solves the mystery at the end which is like i was saying not what you would expect uh but a great mystery some funny moments as well and i mean it, a phenomenal performance by harry Melling. you might remember him or recognize him from the harry potter movies he played dudley harry's cousin dudley in those movies uh he was in the ballad of buster scruggs a few years ago on netflix as well really good movie i can't recommend it enough if you like mysteries if you like eerie dramas this is it for you and an ending you will not expect <laughs> next movie me next movie uh another netflix original and a movie i will be talking about here tonight guillermo del toro's pinocchio uh uh, truly, and if you're seeing Guillermo del Toro like standing for animation and fighting for it as an art form, go watch this movie. Brings back stop motion animation, which uh, we really have not seen on a big scale. It feels like for, I mean, almost a decade. I can't remember the last, you know, I'm thinking like Chicken Run, like that long, Wallace and Gromit. 
like that that long of a time gap james and the giant peach like movies like that where we haven't had a stop motion animated feature like permeate the culture in a long time since then this has the power to do that i feel like it's done that um this was in the netflix top 10 for a while it is made by an oscar-winning director and i think a very underrated director I, i don't agree with the movie he won an oscar for i don't even think that's his best movie but he's really outdone himself here and he's reviving a genre that the academy has never really respected uh, and I feel like he is putting them in a corner here, making them respect it. It should be the runaway favorite for animated feature. Looked at the odds today, and it is, uh, which brings me to another, another point. I don't want to talk about the odds too much here because I'm actually having Caleb Lynn on the pod, the schmuck Lynn, tentatively scheduled for March 9th, which is the Thursday before the Oscars, which are on a Sunday. Me and him are going to talk about Oscars odds. Good play, good uh, bets to place. Uh, I have some in mind. Not going to divulge those here. I'm going to save those for the pod. Uh, but if you're wanting to place bets on the Oscars, check out BetMGM, uh, FanDuel, DraftKings. I couldn't find any odds on there, but uh, BetMGM has them. No wonder because they have an Oscar winner as their mascot pretty much, Jamie Foxx. Uh, so check those out for odds. But Pinocchio, phenomenal. I really thought there's a song in this movie called Chow Papa that I thought would be nominated for Best Original Song. Wasn't. But this should be the favorite here. Uh, It had Best Picture buzz when it first came out, and that kind of died off. I don't think it's worth a Best Picture nod, but uh, hands-down favorite for animated feature. This will be one of the easiest ones that the Academy's ever handed out. Shows I've watched... Andor. Uh, I'm a little behind the curve on this one. This one came out, I think, in September of last year. Uh, But without a doubt, the most mature Star Wars project that I have seen um, probably since Episode 3 or Rogue One. It's that. It's that. It's dark. It's intense. It's mature. And it's what you would expect and want out of a Rogue One-related project. It's all that and more. If you loved Rogue One, if you loved the dark, mature manner that that movie had, um, it's it's really adult and really slow at the beginning. You really got to stay with it, but I, I can't recommend it more. I think it's in the running for best Disney Star Wars project. I, I, I really think it's in the running. Of course, I think Mandalorian is the best. <laughs> But this is right there. I mean, this is right there with the Clone Wars Season 7. It's right there with Rogue One. I I really was really impressed by it. I did not expect it to be nearly as good as it was. It had no business being as good as it was. So if you like spy and espionage kinds of things, you're really going to love and or really serious adult tone. I, I, I loved it. Of course, you can find that on Disney+. Plus. Next up, The Bear, which you can find on Hulu. Quick episodes, you know, half hour. Uh, last episode was about 45 minutes. Powerhouse show. Incredible show. Again, another show that had no business being as good as it was. 
Um, it's about a guy who is this like award-winning chef at this uh, world-famous restaurant, and his brother owns a sandwich shop in Chicago. Well, the brother uh, dies. He passes away. And he leaves uh, this guy, the bear, Carmi is his name. He leaves Carmi the sandwich shop. So Carmi leaves his big restaurant and comes to the sandwich shop in Chicago and tries to run it and finds out that it's not really want, it's not really uh, running very well. It's actually uh, really on the rocks. Um, and he works to bring it back in... It's it's funny, but it's also really serious and funny in a dark way. Phenomenal performances by the cast. Uh, Jeremy Allen White, who plays titular character, the bear. Powerhouse performance. He actually won a Golden Globe uh, for this, uh, this, this past Golden Globes, the most recent Golden Globes a couple weeks ago. Totally agree with it. And it's nice and quick if you're looking for that. Like I said, a half hour, the finale is 45 minutes. Amazing show. I can't recommend it enough. Bryce Shaddy referred me to it. And Caleb Lynn has watched it as well. So all three of us have watched it. Very, very good. Really, really liked it a lot. Next up, and what could be the biggest new show of 2023. In fact, I think it will be The Last of Us. Of course, based on the video game for the PlayStation. Uh, great, great world building in the first episode. Phenomenal world building uh hbo is putting out heat this year and this is at the top of the list um you have true detective season four you have a uh, barry season three i believe or season four whatever it is um and you're gonna have even more with this in the white lotus and you have succession season uh season four i believe so hbo is putting out heat this year they're not fucking around last of us Top of the list. Top of the list. Watch it. Pedro Pascal doesn't do bad shit besides Wonder Woman 84, which is not his fault. <laughs> Watch it. And then next up, one I also cannot recommend enough. The White Lotus. It lives up to the hype. It lives up to the hype. Great mix of comedy and mystery. Star-studded cast. It's an anthology, so you get a new cast every season. Great. If you love mystery and you love a little bit, like, a little bit of comedy sprinkled in, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome show. I am I've done with season one and I'm started season two and I'm all in. Let's get into it, folks. Let's not waste any more time. The 95th Oscars. This coming Oscars will be the 95th ceremony. Everything everywhere all at once, leading the pack with eleven nominations most of the night. But people are quick to crown this as the best picture. And I'm saying slow down because there is a precedent, especially in recent years, for movies with tons of nominations. In some cases, or in these cases, I'm going to list the most nominations at the show not winning best picture. Most notably last year when you had The Power of the Dog nominated for 12 different categories, lost to CODA which only had three nominations. The year before that, or two years before that, Joker leading the pack with 11 nominations, lost to Parasite, which only had six nominations in 2019. 
And then Green Book, which had five nominations, beat Roma and The Favorite, which both had 10 nominations each in 2018. So my point is there's a precedent for these highly decorated, nominated movies uh, not winning the big prize at the end of the night, which of course is best picture. And I could see it happening this year. I did not pick everything everywhere all at once for best picture. I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as some people on the internet did, but I'm not saying it's overrated. I'm not saying it's underrated. I'm saying it is a really good movie deserves to win maybe half of the awards it was nominated for, uh, which is a lot. I really liked it. It's in my collection. It's I have it on 4K. Like it's, I'm proud to have it. I just don't think it's the best movie of the year. Uh, but what I do like is with this group of movies this year, I feel like these this group of movies is going to live on, uh, unlike last year, which was my massive problem with last year. Big reason I didn't do a show on the on the Academy Awards last year is because I just didn't think any of those movies had staying power. I mean, nobody talks about The Power of the Dog anymore. Nobody talks about Coda anymore. Nobody talks about any of those movies anymore. These movies, you know, we have 10, I think, really awesome movies. I still need to see three of them. But the seven that I saw, I I thought all of them were really great. Some of them were awesome. And I think people are going to be talking about those for years to come and they're going to have staying power, which again has always been my big problem with the Oscars is they nominate these movies, sometimes award these movies that have no staying power and that people are going to forget. I mean, green book has zero staying power. I know I just mentioned it, but nobody talks about green book anymore. People talk about Roma more and Roma didn't win. People talk about Joker more. It didn't win. Um, uh, Parasite, of course, is a, is one of the great great movies of all time. I'm not slighting that in any way. I'm just saying, like Power of the Dog, nobody gives a shit about that movie. Nobody. I still haven't seen it. If that tells you anything, so. But these movies here, I think m- most, if not all, of these nominees, <clears throat> they 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 have some staying power. Uh, the Batman, one of my favorite movies of the year, only three nominations. No Best Picture nomination, which really seemed like it could have when it came out. And no Paul Dano for Best Supporting Actor. I don't think that was ever in the running, but thought I mentioned it. The Whale. First off, I need to take an L here. I need to take a fat L and shove it up my ass. Last week, or a couple weeks ago when I did the Babylon Avatar whale pod. I said those three movies will combine for 20 nominations. Uh, folks cut that in half. 10, 10 Babylon didn't get nearly the amount of love that I thought it would. The whale didn't get shit. Avatar got, uh, I believe Avatar got four nominations. The Whale only gets three. No Best Picture nomination, which is a joke. No Best Director nomination for Darren Aronofsky. And the biggest joke of them all, no nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. And I'm not going to shit on Adapted Screenplay right now. I'm going to do that later when I get to that category and make my pick for it. But I think some of you, if not all of you, will see my problem with it. I don't... I, I don't I oh, oh, fuck. 
We're just going to skip it. Babylon, three nominations. No Best Picture nomination, no Best Director nomination, which is odd since they love Damien Chazelle. He's been nominated twice before. Um, but I guess they just didn't like this movie, which means they actually saw it because they this movie kind of shits on old Hollywood. Whereas with Mank, they nominated it for a shitload, but clearly they didn't see it because it, it's not a, that does not paint Hollywood in a good light. Tom Cruise, my biggest problem with the nominations this year. I was really happy with all the nominations. Uh, only a couple that I was really kind of like, really? I don't know about that. This is the one I was incensed with. I've since cooled off on it. Uh, but I just, no best actor nomination for Tom Cruise. Come on, dude. I mean, fuck me. Fuck me. Why not? Why not? This guy is one of the icons of Hollywood, one of the great movie stars of all time. And he's giving you a movie that basically broke COVID in the in the movie industry. And you're, you're going to shit on him. And you're not going to give him the best actor now, which I thought he was very deserving of. The movie, by the way, Top Gun Maverick, three nominations, one of which for Best Picture, very nice. And the last one I wanted to mention, Margot Robbie for Babylon snubbed for Best Actress. And she was snubbed for an absolutely bullshit debacle of a nominee, uh, Andrea Riseborough. Andrea Riseborough was nominated for a movie that you can only watch on iTunes. <laughs> That's the only place you can watch it. She was nominated for Two Leslie. Two Leslie made $27,000. And the only reason she was nominated is because, is because there was a social media push by friends of hers in Hollywood, including Gwyneth Paltrow, including Edward Norton, to get her nominated. And it worked. And I'm pissed because... Oh, you couldn't see this movie. You couldn't see it. I'm looking at it right now. Momentum Pictures acquired distribution rights to the film, giving it a limited theatrical and on-demand release on October 7th, 2022. And now Andrea Riseborough is nominated for a movie no one's ever going to see. No one's ever going to see it. Ever. And I just think it's bullshit. That's all. I just think it's bullshit. Margaret Robbie should have been nominated. Over her. Plain and simple. Kate Blanchett is now an eight-time acting nominee. She would become the eighth actor ever. She's going to venture into some rare territory here if she wins. She would become the eighth actor ever to receive three or more Oscars. And here is that list of names. Catherine Hepburn, the all-time record holder, has four Oscars for acting, uh, four Best Actress wins. Meryl Streep has three wins. She has one for Best Supporting Actor and two for Best Actress. Jack Nicholson has three wins, two for Best Actor, one for Best Supporting Actress. Ingrid Bergman has two for Best Actress, one for Best Supporting Actress. 
Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, uh, the only actor with three Best Actor wins. Frances McDormand, three Best Actress wins. And Walter Brennan with three Best Supporting Actor wins. So Kate Blanchett already holds two. She won for Blue Jasmine for Best Actress in 2013, and she won Best Supporting Actress for The Aviator in 2004. <laughs> Aviator was an awesome performance, and Blue Jasmine, I never saw. It's a Woody Allen movie, so I'm never going to see it. Uh, don't Be a Predator. I might go see your movies on. That's a pretty low bar. Uh, that will make people like me go and see your movies if you're not a sexual predator. That will help your case, Woody Allen. Uh, Kate Blanchett, if she wins, this is going to be rare air. I mean, that those names there, that's, I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. And she could very easily, I think by the end of that night, she will be in there without question. Let's get into the picks. Uh, the picks here. So I want to do a quick disclaimer. I'm going to go through all the nominees in each big category and pick. I omitted some categories, uh, tw- uh, 12 actually. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know anything about them. Uh, I either don't know anything about the category or don't care. Or I have not seen the movies in the category and I don't want to speak on them. Uh, just because I haven't seen them. So here we go. Best International Feature Film. Best International Feature Film. I will not be talking about that. Best Documentary Feature. Best Documentary Short Subject. Best Live Action Short Film. Best Animated Short Film. Best Original Song. Best Sound. Best Film Editing. Best Costume Design. Best Makeup and Hairstyling. And Best Visual Effects. I will not be going into those. Best Visual visual Effects more so because it's a runaway. It's going to be Avatar doesn't really need to be talked about but the rest i either don't care don't know anything about them or haven't seen the movies in the category so i'm not going to sit here and act like i know anything about them. all right let's get into it best picture the nominees all quiet on the western front which is on netflix you can watch it there avatar the way of water which you can see in theaters of course banshee's been sharon that is on hbo max elvis uh, which is also on HBO Max. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Let me check what that is on, really quick. That is on Paramount Plus and Hulu and Showtime and Amazon Prime. If you want to watch that, so plenty of options there. Uh, next up, The Fablemans, which is one of the three movies I have not seen yet. That is still in theaters. You can also watch it on YouTube for like twenty bucks. Uh, probably gonna pirate it. Full disclaimer. Uh, Tar, great movie, phenomenal movie. Uh, has a real shot to win Best Picture. Has a real, real shot. Top Gun Maverick, which a couple weeks ago was my pick. I was really hoping that would be the one. Uh, I don't think it will be, but nice to see movies making a lot of money in this category. Triangle of Sadness, which I have not seen um, you can watch that on, let's see really quick what you can watch that on triangle of sadness. You can watch that on prime video or YouTube got to be rented. <laughs> uh, and then women talking, which they actually just put back in theaters, uh, in light of the nomination. So 
great nominees. Uh, if I had to rank them 10 through one, like top to bottom, it'd be very tough. I've, and this is, oh man, I really have no idea what's going to win. I don't, I don't know. I know everything everywhere all at once is a pretty heavy favorite, like not a heavy favorite, but decent. I there's like three or four movies here where I could be like, yeah, that could win. Everything Everywhere All at Once is one of them. The Fablemans is one of them. Tar is one of them. Elvis, Banshees of Sharon. All of those movies could win. I don't see a world where Avatar wins really or All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> uh, Top Gun Maverick, unfortunately, I don't. I just don't think that's gonna gonna do it. But my pick. Is the Banshees of Sharon? That is my pick. And let me be clear. I'm doing picks, not predictions. A couple of years ago, I did predictions on what I thought the Academy would pick. This year, I am doing my picks because fuck them. Fuck the masses. Fuck the Academy. I'm doing my picks. The Banshees of Sharon. I'm picking that. Two of the great... Really, four of the great performances of the year. There were four acting nominations from this movie in this year's Oscars. Two in the supporting categories, or three in the supporting categories, one for Colin Farrell and Best Actor. Really great movie. Uh, you Like I said, you can watch it on HBO Max. It is about a man, Colin Farrell, who, whose best friend, Brendan Gleeson, basically breaks up with him as a friend and doesn't really understand why and doesn't really get an answer why and it's a really dark comedy after that awesome awesome movie check it out not really long not not that not that long either and easily accessible that's the one thing i'm asking for with these movies just let me find a way to watch them so that's my pick for best picture the banshees of a sharon best director i'm going the daniels for everything i wore all at once i uh, just think they had really hard concept to try and put on the screen and they did it pretty flawlessly. Other nominees, Todd Field for Tar, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Sharon, Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Spielberg's getting buzz. He already has two Best Director wins for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Um, he could win here. He really could win. If it's not the Daniels, I expect it to be him. Uh, so keep an eye, keep an eye on Spielberg. Keep an eye on Spielberg. My pick is the Daniels. Best actor, the nominees. Another one where I could see this going one of three ways. I could see this going like three, three different ways. Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Sharon. Brendan Fraser for the Whale. Paul Mescal for After Sun and Bill Nye. Uh, for living movie that I have eh, whatever whatever this movie made 7 million dollars what the whatever the fuck just forget it uh, I am going with this is a tough one this is really tough I could see Butler, Farrell or Frazier all winning but I'm going with Brendan Frazier Going with Brendan Fraser, it's probably the most moving, heartbreaking performance of the year. Uh, would really like to see Colin Farrell win. That would be really cool. 
just because he's been around for so long and he's been a staple. Um, and he's been in a lot of great things that I like. And Austin Butler, of course, he wouldn't have any problem with him winning. Really, really great performance by him uh, in Elvis. Really tough to pull off. I mean, you're asking him to basically play one of the 10 most famous people ever. And he pulled it off with flying colors. So I am going with, excuse me, I'm going with him. I'm going with Brendan Frazier. Really tough, but I, I'm rooting for him to win, especially after all the shit he's been through. Best actress. We have Kate Blanchett for Tar. Anna DeArmas for Blonde. Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie. Really don't want to talk about that anymore. Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's a two-man race here. It's a two-horse race. Uh, Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, it's going to be one of them. Um, I want to watch Blonde and The Fablemans to get... Well, I want to watch Fablemans because it's nominated for Best Picture, and I want to watch all the Best Picture nominees. Uh, and I want to watch Blonde just because I think Anna Armas is really good. And she is... That movie is rated NC-17, and I don't think I've ever seen an NC-17 movie, so... If you want full transparency, I'm watching it for that. Uh, what is going on in that movie to make it NC-17? That's what I want to know. And uh, I need, I want to watch all the movies with um, acting nominees. So, it's a two-horse race here. I wouldn't have a problem with Michelle Yeoh winning, but I'm going with Kate Blanchett. Tar was a really really kind of modern movie in a lot of bad ways uh she plays a world-renowned composer who is basically responsible for a student killing themselves because she went too far and crossed a lot of lines both personal and professional and now her career is spiraling out of control because of it she's losing her family she's losing her friends she's losing her job and it's just about her like dealing with that in not so good ways so tar i'm going with kate blanchett for tar again would have a problem with michelle yo winning that'd be more of a i think uh yeah career achievement thing but also, she deserves it. She deserves an Oscar, and this was a great performance by her. So, in a way, it wouldn't be a, a uh, career achievement thing. She would actually deserve it um, in this case. So, my God, she was nominated for a lot of shit. My God. I'm looking at this. This is amazing. <laughs> Wow, that's insane. That is a lot of stuff. Good for her. I hope she hope she wins. Uh, it's going to be her or Blanchett, uh, but I'm picking Blanchett. just think it was a better performance top to bottom. Best Supporting Actor. We have Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Barry, Barry Keown for The Banshees of Inna Sharon. And Kihoi Kwan for everything everywhere all at once. Not only is this a runaway favorite, it should be. It's Kiwi Kwan for everything everywhere all at once. Um uh, really 
awesome campaign run by him. I'm not a big fan of campaigns for Oscars, but he he really deserves it. Um, this guy, he he should absolutely win it. He was the best part of the movie. Couldn't be happier for him. Um, he just just deserves it. Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keoghan, great performances in that movie as well. Banshee's been sharing, but this is just a lose lose for them. They it's it's a win lose actually. Great performance, but you picked a bad you picked a bad year. Next up, best supporting actress got to be Angela Bassett. Uh, I went with Carrie Condon initially, but I just feel like this is a career achievement. Uh, and it was a really moving performance by Angela Bassett. Um, so I'm not pissed that she's going to win. I'm usually pissed at the uh, career achievement, but I think she really deserves it, so I'm going with her. Best original screenplay. This, for me, is everything everywhere all at once. An unbelievable premise that on paper seems impossible to put on the screen, and they did it. Uh, and this is a stacked category with Banshee's Vintage Sharon and Fableman's and Tar, but it has to go to this. Um, the Daniels, really original directors, which it feels like we used to have a shortage of that even a couple years ago. But now we're getting back into that, and I really like it. I'm giving it to them. Best adapted screenplay. Here is my issue. Um, adapted means you made it out of a different type of media. Top Gun Maverick and Glass Onion are both nominees in this category. They are sequels. They're based on previous movies. They don't count. They don't count. Fuck that. Fuck that. That is... Um, that is such... Oh, God. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. Sequels are not adapted. Sequels are not adapted. Period. End of story. Sequels are not adapted. All Quiet on the Western Front is my pick. Based on the novel... Uh the 1929 novel, I believe. Uh, and of course this was a 1930 movie as well. And they're running for best world war one movie, uh, on par, if not better than 1917. Really? I mean, I did not expect it to be that good. And I'm kind of mad at myself for punting it off for as long as I did. It was outstanding. Outstanding performances, outstanding cinematography, and really kind of an anti-war film too. It really paints war in a terrible light, which I guess was the whole point, and it did its job. Next up, best animated feature. Don't really need to get into this that much. Uh, it's going to be Pinocchio, and it's going to be Pinocchio by a fucking mile, and it should be. <laughs> None of these other movies really compete. The other nominees are, of course, Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, which is, The Last Wish, which is making a shitload of money right now. Turning Red uh, from Pixar, 
the sea beast and Marcel, the Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Haven't seen those. Uh, Still need to see turning red, but it's going to be Pinocchio and it should be by a mile. Best original score. You've probably heard this on TikTok and Twitter a bunch. It's going to be Babylon. It should be uh, played a massive part in the opening part of the movie and for the rest of it. Uh, I thought it was the perfect score, so I'm giving it to that. John Williams, though, becomes the oldest nominee in Academy history at 90 years old. So he's the oldest competitive nominee in Oscars history with it being his... 53rd nomination. He also broke his own record at the most as the most Oscar nominated living person. And he's the second most nominated person ever behind only Walt Disney. So there you go. Uh, Congrats to John Williams. So Babylon's going to be my best uh, original score. Babylon is also going to be my best production design, Uh, production design, set designing, whatever you want to call it. I, in the past couple of years, especially with period pieces like Babylon, those people got to put in fucking work to make you believe that it is a certain time period, in this case, the 20s and 30s. They got to do crazy shit to make you believe it's the 20s and 30s. I mean, this is depression era stuff. And, you know, they got to get the right time of day to get the outside shots. I mean, there's a really big sunset scene in, in Babylon that had to be just right. Like this is, I really respect the hell out of production design. It's, it is, it used to be best art direction. Uh, and it is now best production design, but I, 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 I love it. I love it. I'm giving it to Babylon. Uh, other nominees in this category, we got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis, and The Fableman. So another stacked category. Wouldn't have a problem with any of those winning, honestly, but giving it to Babylon. Um, really great stuff there. Finally, Best Cinematography. This should be a runaway. Uh, I don't know if it will be. All Quiet on the Western Front. Incredible shots in this movie, incredible lighting. Uh, the opening shot of this movie alone could be what wins it. James Friend doing the cinematography there. Other nominees here, Bardo, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. Darius Ganji and Roger Deakins in this category, along with James Friend, who did All Quiet on the Western Front. A lot of trench warfare in this one that had to be captured. Um, I'm giving it to All Quiet on the Western Front. Please, please, please watch that movie if you have not. Kind of a long one, about two and a half hours, but totally worth it. So those are my picks, folks. Um, Stay tuned on the running hook. We got Lynn Sanity, the NFL playoffs, uh, talking about the divisional round. I was on that one this week. Fun stuff with Caleb and Bryce. Schmucks as usual. Uh, Bryce refusing to eat it on Josh Allen and blaming him for the loss. Meanwhile, defending Kirk Cousins. Power Hour. Alex and JD Hall discussing the Heat, the Timberwolves, and the train wreck Lakers. Well, almost three train wrecks in that. Uh, I'm not sure the Heat count yet, but Timberwolves and Lakers certainly. 
thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Galax is going to post this hopefully, maybe in the next couple of days. I will post a list of my picks as well. Again, the show is on March 12th. Tune in on March 9th with me and Caleb talking about Oscar's odds. So, as always, folks, thank you very much for listening.